Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit makes these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The eucalyptus fiber upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Super Light Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. In school, it's just not encouraged. We're crying out for young people to do apprenticeships. What you need to do is be on my side. Every time that it happens, we have to talk about how the good men feel. They sent me on for psychiatric assessment, and they said that the thing that's going to fix it is housing. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818-969696. Extra WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Oh yeah, the pictures of that cruise ship were still coming in late into last evening. It was just gorgeous, huge, all light, and thousands of people on it. And Cove was jammed yesterday for a beautiful day to look at that fantastic cruise liner. Jimmy says, did you get the pics? It stayed until after 10. What a boon to the town. Thanks to the passengers and crew of the MSC Virtuoso. Jimmy also has a question about sausages, which I'll come back to. And I happen to agree with you, Jimmy. I certainly do. 0818 96 96 96. Morning. Uh, text to WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96. I don't know how things are down around Dunkettle, uh, but there are tailbacks. There were serious tailbacks yesterday. It's down to, well, roadworks. Effectively, the left-hand lane on the N40 will be closed 
this is on the way in towards the, the roundabout from the tunnel will be closed for a couple of days and sure when you do that you just cause ructions so that's why which is of absolutely no conf- um, concern or what's the word consolation to you whatsoever when you're sitting there but that's how it is 0818969696 I want you to think about something before we go to our phones for the first time today what when you sat or stood into the shower this morning, what did you wash first? What, PJ? Yeah, just while you're sitting in Dunkettle, waiting for the traffic to move, think about this. When you when you got into the shower last night or this morning or whenever you did last, what did you wash first? What part of you did you wash first? Hair, arms, legs, neck, that bit? Because they say it determines what your personality is like apparently I'm a control freak so they tell me I'll come back to it what did you wash first in the shower this morning it says a lot about you was it the same bit you washed yesterday morning and the morning before and the morning before yeah bear with me I will come back to that topic of conversation Jason, you got in touch with us because you wanted to yes. make a point about being on the invalidity pension. Yes. What I want to say, PJ, right? I was offered a job for 10 hours a week. Mm. And the man that was offered me the job said I could extend to 20, to 30, whatever, okay? Right. So when I started off on the 10 hours, he said to me he had to go through all the books with the social welfare and all that, right? Mm-hmm. And I said, fair enough, of course. I had to win them and qualify everything, right? So I did. <laughs> and then the girl ran me back from Sligo, right? And she said, because I'm not on benefit, I'm on pension, I am not allowed work. So we'll just, we'll just go back to the basics then. You're on an invalidity pension. Pension, okay. yes. You're in your 40s, are you? I'm 48. That's yes. quite young to be on a pension, mate. It is, because I'd be honest with you. No, PJ, I've mental health. Okay. I had to leave my job. I had a good job in Middleton, right? I see. But I had to leave when I seek uh, mental health. Okay, right? okay. And so invalidity pension is what you're on, but you you got the opportunity to do a bit of work. So what I think... I'm not allowed to do that, PJ. Yeah. If I was on a benefit, I'd be able to work. Mm-hmm. But because I'm on a pension, which that's what they put me on. I see. And I'm not allowed even work. And if you were on a disability allowance... I'm you could work. I could work. And tell me something. Have you mm? considered moving to an allowance? I did. And they told me, um, I, I'll be very honest now uh, with you, PJ. I'm a very proud gay man, okay? Okay, right. So my husband died two years ago. Sorry okay? to hear that. Thank you. And um, I said... I go to the widower's pension because we got married in Ireland, okay? So then they told me there was no point to doing that, right? Because they'd be all red tape, right? So what I'm trying to say to you, PJ, is 
people coming on your program. I know they're very nice people and all that. But PJ, I worked as the age of 14. People coming on your program giving out about people getting social welfare grants for this and that. Right, they might have a point for the people who are taking advantage of the situation. But what about my situation? Yeah, it does seem to be unfair to me, anyway. It's very unfair. Th- that you can't work I when... Live, I live on my own now, OK? I still have to pay rent, ESP, gas, you name it. And so, can I ask you, Jason, I'm, how much is your pension payment? Two hundred and thirty euros a week. Right, and if you were on disability, to say it again, you'd be allowed to work on top of that. But because I'd you're be on invalid, allowed invi- to work yeah. twenty hours yeah. a week. But but which would get me, to be honest with you, PJ, to get out of my apartment and to get out there working, me people to do something with my life. You know, yeah. I can't do none of this. That that does and not seem on fair. Top of that, do you know what she said to me, PJ? Hey, the girl in the social welfare which around me. Do you know what she said to me? I'm over the quarter because I'm in. I'm getting an extra four euros a week. Four euros a week. You're over what quarter? The disability allowance to benefit for four euros a week. So I cannot work. So you can't transfer to disability? No, no. And I'll out. Because I was honest with them and said to them that I wanted to go, you know, to go to work, to get out of my apartment, sure. to, you know, to live a normal life sure. like everyone else. Sure. And um, just because I'm over four euros, I cannot work 10 hours a week. So the people who are in your programme giving out about people and welfare, tell them tinkle my story. Jason? Because yeah. I would do anything to get out of my bed every morning and go to 40 hours work if I could. Jason, thank you very much for calling us. It's the God's honest truth, PJ. It's the God's honest truth. Four extra hours a week, you cannot work. Jason, thank you very much. Thanks, Cheers. PJ. Thank you. You're welcome, Jason. And thanks. Um, yeah, that man, this just, just just come in, someone listening to Jason. That man should stay on the package he's on. He's in danger of losing everything if he tries to work or tries to move to the widower's pension. It does seem a tad unfair, though, doesn't it? Like, he's of working age. He's only in his 40s. And he he wants to do a few hours' work. He's got an offer of a few hours' work. And he can't take on that few hours' work because he's on a pension. He's not on a payment. It it just seems like paperwork gone mad, if you ask me. 0818 96 96 96. People telling me what they wash first in the shower. There's a lot of control freaks out there. A lot of them. I won't tell you yet what I mean. We'll, we'll, we'll hold it over for a little while. But what part of your body do you shower first? This morning or any morning? It's what do you go for first? If you say the soap, I'll throw something at you. What do you go for first? What part of your body is... And you'll find, think about it, muscle memory, you'll always do the same thing first. 
Right? Another caller. Uh, Jason should demand to go on the widower's pension. We don't know. We're not in a position to give advice here. Maybe somebody is. Maybe somebody is listening who's got some experience and might be able to help Jason. Maybe some public representative would know what he should do. Um, there's a lot of public representatives out there have an intricate knowledge of the system, um, even more so than the people working in it sometimes. Maybe there's advice out there for Jason. So he is in his 40s. He's widowed. He has an offer of work just for a few hours a week. He, he says that work would be a great help, not just financially, but with his mental health and all that. So he wants to take the job up, but he's been told by welfare he can't because of the nature of his payment. He's on a pension, whereas if he was on disability, he's on invalidity pension, whereas if he was on a disability payment, he could work. And he thinks that's unfair. And if anybody has advice, um, qualified advice, because we're not qualified to give him any advice, we'd love to pass it on. Turn all the way up. Or it doesn't really suck. Straight to the dance floor. Or totally ignore. Top of your playlist. Or will never be missed. Right now. Choose the music on Cork's 96 FM for the chance to win 1,000 euro. 1,000 euro. Boom, 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 like that. Have your say on the Munster Music Survey. And the cash could be yours. Go to 96fm.ie right now. Click the survey link and tell us what you think. Right now. The Monster Music Survey. Do it today. And you could win 1,000 euro. Win 1,000 euro. Boom, 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 like that. See 96fm.ie. That's a disgrace about that man being on invalidity. The government is keeping people in poverty, stopping them, bettering their lives and their mental health for the sake of 4 euro. There's no common sense. Tell Jason you can transfer to partial invalidity. Then... You can work 20 hours a week and get a partial invalidity pension on top of it. Thank you for that. Lots of suggestions coming in. We will try and get an expert view for Jason. He he was upset when he came to us that he just didn't know what to do. He's at the end of his tether. He doesn't know what to do. He's only in his 40s. He has an offer of a job. He wants to take the job, but he's afraid of the implications for his welfare. He's not in a position to work full-time because of mental health and other such problems recently widowed and you heard him you heard what he has to say we'll see what we can we'll see what we can find out he can find out about the partial invalidity yeah we'll come back to it we'll come back to it 0818 96 96 96 now it's it's over a year just over a year in fact since I had the incredible privilege of being invited down to Onakura it was a beautiful September evening, earlier in the month, uh, this time last year, lovely evening, and I went down and I sat in the in the garden in Onakura, uh, and I met some of the residents and their families, and I talked to them about the situation in which they found themselves, where HSE had decided to close Onakura. Now, the plan at that stage was it would be closed by, say, the jazz weekend of last year. It's still open. There are eight or nine people still left there. And the campaign to keep it open goes on. HSE has stuck to its guns since day one, insisting that there's no alternative but to close it. It was up again yesterday at the Public Accounts Committee. 
in the Oireachtas. And a number of TDs, not just Cork TDs, a number of TDs and senators got involved in the discussion because it's fair to say, I think, at this stage that public representatives, many, many public representatives, simply do not accept that there was no alternative. But at that PAC meeting yesterday, Paul Reid, the outgoing boss of the HSE, and there were other HSE personnel attending that meeting, but Paul Reid, the outgoing boss of the HSE, was adamant in that he stands over the decision that has been made. We have submitted a number of papers outlining, in my view, the very clear rationale why this centre was not fit for purpose, uh, was not giving people the care that they need. Uh, and that very clearly articulated why we've done it. I stand over it as CEO of the HSE. This was the right thing to do by the CHO in the area. Uh, and it was the right decision that was made to do it. I appreciate that you as elected representatives and your colleagues get representation on it, but let me assure you, our staff uh, and the local management want to give people the right care too. That's what they come to work to do every day. So they had a view, we have the view, and I believe the right decision was made in relation to Onacar. So he's standing very firmly over the decision. Among the representatives who spoke at yesterday's PAC, and it kept coming up, there were other issues, but it kept coming up, over the course of a meeting that lasted a couple of hours. Among those who came back to it was, again, a person we've had on the show a number of times, uh, bearing in mind she's a qualified architect and she has a, a specialty in the architecture of healthcare. So she's been down to Onakura a number of times. She is of the view that you could quite feasibly refurbish Onakura, that this idea that there's nothing else to do but but close it, holds no sway with her as an architect. I speak, of course, of Nasa Harrigan of the Green Party, and she contributed yesterday, and she brought up a question that I think has very much become the main question in this discussion. What is really going on? We're way past the building. We're way past the discussion around the quality of the building in Onakura and whether it was in good nick or not. It's perfectly clear from the FOIs that I've received that there was a tacit agreement by the management there and by estates that they were going to run that service into the ground and sell off the site. That is the reality of the decision making. You were going to move residents to substandard premises, to shared accommodation, to shared rooms in places very far away from Middleton, very far away from their families, very far away from even a local shop or a community group. And so I want to ask the senior management of the the HSE, do you stand by that decision making? It's been the question that's been asked over and over again, specifically in the last six months or so, NASA, what is really going on here? And you think you know. Morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. <clears throat> yeah, look, I, I think you heard it in that clip and, and thank you for playing it. Is that, and, and I know you on the show have followed this very faithfully and I, I think, you know, you're, you're doing great service there. Um, myself and Councillor Liam Quaid down, with your, down in Cork um, have done a huge amount of PQs and FOIs. And in the course of that, I think what we were trying to get at was what is the nature of this completely inexplicable decision? Because you can say the building is bad, but the service was fantastic. Like people loved living there. They lived there for decades. And the staff, like I went down and visited Onakura and the staff were so sad that it might be closed, that they had been there for years and they were friends with the residents. And it was such a loving and lovely environment. So we 
generally found it inexplicable. And we did all these FOIs and PQ parliamentary questions to find out, well, what really is happening here? And in the heel of the hunt, eventually, after many, many attempts to get certain freedom of information um, releases, we found minutes from from 2019 that that showed that the estates had been talking about when we sell this site. Yeah. And if you look at, the, and this is what we suspected, because when you look at the numbers over the last decade, now I'm really mean the last decade, so from 2012 until 2022, they, now they have a building, you have to put this in context, they have a building that they know is from the 80s, that they know needs a ton of maintenance, that they know will need constant kind of care to keep it up to standard and to keep it in line with best practice, but that they also know is the site of fantastic service. Mm. So in that 10 years, they spent less than half a million. So they spent in the region of about 400,000 on this building, really just the bare, bare minimum. And in a, a similar period, they spent nearly 4 million on buildings that would be ward settings. So, so much more kind of medicalized mm. settings much more kind of, you know, you're on a ward and you're, you know, you're kind of in a medical setting, whereas Onakura felt like home, Do you know, like it felt, it felt like a home. Um, and when you look at those numbers, the numbers don't lie. The money never lies. And that's why public accounts is so important. The money doesn't lie. So when I said there that you made a decision to run this service into the ground, I meant that. You, you can say that the building isn't right now. But that's because you spent 10 years actively underfunding that building so that you could then say, oh, it's not fit for purpose. We're going to close it down. And we all know that a site right in the middle of a town like Middleton would be very, very valuable. Mm. And I think, and I put it to them yesterday, that, that there, there, there is an underfunding plan here so that they could realise the, the value of that site. And um, in fairness, um, Deputy James O'Connor was on the the, the session too, mm. and he put it to them after my bit, you know, that he had been advised, I, I think he said in private, that the site wouldn't be sold by the HSE or by the mental health services. And in the Public Accounts Committee, on the record, they would give him no such assurance. They wouldn't, they wouldn't commit to holding on to the site. So there's that whole aspect. And I, I stand by the, the fact that the money doesn't lie. But also, and I put it to Mr. Paul Reid yesterday, there is absolutely no clinical oversight to the decision to close Onakura. There's nothing on, there's no minutes. So he's, he, he, he was, Lesser, I was thinking, you know. Just go back over the question that's been asked and answered previously. And I, I know that the HSE would if they were here and represented say there is no alternative they've stuck by that from day one and they continue to stick by it but has there been a single medical or clinical recommendation to close it there is nothing on the record that we can find and and mr reed said took great uh, you know not offense maybe but he, he he had no truck with my description of them moving people around you know into different buildings because you know we, we were discussing Onakura, we were discussing garnish house and st stephen's and i said to him you're moving people around like their chess pieces on a board you have no kind of engagement with the clinical impact of of this on very vulnerable people the uncertainty and the change that you're bringing into their lives and he he took great um, you know, he, he he didn't accept that. But the reality is that you know you, you can. You, you, it's a self fulfilling prophecy. They've underfunded that building, and they have they have kind of created a situation where the, the building is now 
you know, very difficult and will be more expensive to yeah. fix. But if they had been maintaining it since 2012, that wouldn't be a reality. And so we can't just come to the decision, you know, in September 2022 and say, oh, sure, look, this is a fait accompli. This is just where we find ourselves. This is a series of decisions over a decade. And the HSE have to take responsibility for that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know where it's going to go, NASA. I know that when we got on board with this in July last summer, we said we'd stay with it till the bitter end, whatever that bitter end is. So we intend to do I, that. Uh, well, it's not over. I think you can probably hear how frustrated I am. And, you know, myself and Liam Quaid have been working on this for over a year now, like mm. yourselves. And what I would say is there are there are there is still road to run on this. Okay. I would very much like and I'm looking forward to seeing in the Public Accounts Committee, the Mental Health Commission come in and explain why they're ver- perfectly happy for the HSE to use their reports on buildings to effectively close services. OK. All right, Nessa, thank you very much. Nessa Harrigan, a Green Party TD and a qualified architect specialising in the architecture of healthcare. And I should always remind you as well, Liam Quaid, who she mentioned there, who was the one who originally brought this to our attention back in July of 2021. Liam Quaid is also a psychologist. So he has a fair handle on mental health and treatment of mental health issues and NASA has a handle on buildings. And and we said it at the start and I say it again and I repeat it again. We're not letting this one go. Whatever the outcome, we'll be there till the very last day of it. Caller on the phone there, while I was talking to NASA, did it come up what happened to Glenwood House? It was bought by the HSE for mental health services. I watched about an hour and a half of those proceedings. I didn't hear the words Glenwood House, but we can check that back and see. But I I don't think it actually did come up. Uh, in the course of it. I may be wrong. We can check that back. But um, in the in the bit that I listened to, and listened to a good 90 minutes of it this morning and last evening, I don't think it did. 0818 96 96 96. People coming through uh, to try to help Jason. There's a whole section on Citizens Information website, citizensinformation.ie, under social welfare, where he can look that up. That's great. That's great. 0818969696. Now, the issue of cyberbullying is in the news again. And there are calls for it to be put on the school curriculum so that it's talked about in school every day. Uh, There's a man called Darren Heaney. He is a director of engagement at the DCU Anti-Bullying Centre. There was new research came out from Bernardo's which found 60% of children wouldn't tell their parents if they had been cyberbullied. It also found that another 6 out of 10 found other people had seen people being cyberbullied and almost 1 in 5 said that they'd been cyberbullied in a way that affected their ability to learn and to feel safe at school. School seems to be a place where this should be discussed. Avril Ronan of Trend Micro joins me as she's done before. Avrin, would you agree with that? It's time to bring this into the schools and talk about it in the school context. Morning. Morning, Peter. Uh, it would be a dream come true for us at Trend Micro if that happened. Um, and if you look at Dr. Mona Moore, she was the founder of the anti-bullying centre at Trinity College originally. And from her research, vast amount of research, the only way to tackle this properly is a whole community approach. It's not just a whole school approach. So it's everything from, if you look at the, the, the bus driver to the lollipop lady to the, the person in the shop, 
teachers, parents and kids themselves. We all have a job. We all have a role to keep an eye out, look out for each other and really encourage people to talk and also that idea of, I guess, I've, I've got about seven top tips for you, PJ, so you're going to have to get Fergal to cut me off at some point. <laughs> Give me the top three to start with anyway. Okay, so, I mean, you know, 62% witness, witnessed it. There you've got bystanders, and sometimes it's not easy for them and, and you know, to stand up, especially if there's ringleaders in a group. But there's safety in numbers, PJ, so if they come together, it just takes one to say, hey, that's not on. That's all it takes. It just takes one person. But if they don't feel comfortable, which is quite common, especially with the ringleaders, like I said, safety numbers come together as a group and just it could be just a, a, just a chat with them to say, hey, that's not on. We just don't think that's fair. Mm. You know, so that's, that will be one of the first things. If you're talking about then, 7 to 10 to 12-year-olds, they're unlikely to do that, are they? Yeah, I, I probably should have started with the other. Okay, let me start with this one. So we have to talk, so the whole school, the whole community approach, we have to open up the conversation. And by having it on the school curriculum and talking about it every day, we're having competitions, having posters up, having projects on it, really just opening it all up, talking to kids about, you know, these keyboard warriors that they feel they can vent and rant and do whatever and say whatever they want. Everything you do is tracked online. You know, talk to them about that. Talk to them about, show them what empathy looks like, you know, um, and that starts at home from a young age. Yeah. And these are things we can do ourselves. Show them about respecting others. There's so many of us now that come from different backgrounds, different religions, different countries. You know, everyone is different and that is okay. And it's important that we accept other people's opinions, their looks, their likes, their dislikes, and that we, it's okay to have others have a, a different opinion. We don't all have to have the same opinion. Yeah. Um, and, you know, showing them not only just empathy, just showing them kindness, how to be kind to someone. And that, again, starts at home. And these aren't techie things, PJ. Yeah. I mean, teaching kids empathy and kindness and, oh, how do they feel? How does that little eight-year-old Ukrainian girl in your class feel? She's trying to speak your language and she has literally been ripped out of the classroom over in the Ukraine and in a new country, completely different people around her in the classroom, speaking a new language, a different home, I mean, showing, trying to get them to put the shoe on the other foot, and mm-hmm. that's impossible and very difficult for a kid. So just trying to show them other perspectives, and that starts at home as well. So the number two rule, which is probably number one, actually, it's just opening up that conversation and helping them from a young age about resilience, you know? Mm. That, you know, why are they doing that? Like, why is that person, you know, setting up fake accounts and really being mean to me on gaming? In gaming or whatever I'm on, why are they cut? Why did they? Why did someone just cut me off a chat group? Why yeah. did they just kick me out of that? Or, or why? Why wasn't I invited to that party? Exclusion, 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 and just you know, yeah, underhanded. This is the difference between the face-to-face bullying and the the cyber bullying. It's very underhanded and subtle to the point where you have to raise it with the teacher because they're not aware of it, and that's why. You may not, you, your child may have come home to you and told you what went on, which is, first of all, thank them, appreciate that they're talking to you, and then what do you do? Talk to them about what you should do about it. And, you know, it's, you may not know the parent in question of that child, but we have a responsibility, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, wouldn't you want to know if your child was being targeted? Indeed. And wouldn't you want to know if your child was doing it? 
Right. Every child is is absolutely yeah. capable of being unkind and we all make mistakes. So it's showing them the right road too. And within this, some people did admit it. Two things that stand out to me, Avril, and I've, I've spoken about this before. It's a very long time ago. There wasn't a cyber world then, but as someone who was bullied in school, two things jump out of this. One is the 62% are the 60% that wouldn't go to their parents, wouldn't tell their parents. Yeah. The other one is, and I couldn't believe it when I read it, the indication from the research that it's a shame about being bullied. That's why they don't bring it home. And I can go back to being 12 mm. and being ashamed. Something was being done to me, but I was ashamed. Yeah. If you're 12, 13, 14, 10... And something is being done to you. There's a certain amount of shame in bringing that home. It shouldn't be. Mm, absolutely. And PJ, I think, you know, that's just seeing this, the fact that we're having this conversation. And sadly, we have to, PJ, right, a lot. But if, if you, you were the best FBI when we need to as parents, right, you know when there's something going on with mm -hmm. your child, their mood, their behavior, everything changes. Yeah. Checking in with them. And just knowing that they know that there's a safe place for them. Not overreacting. You know you've heard me say this before. Don't take the device off them because they'll never tell you anything ever again if they think you're just going to take the device off to solve all problems. Letting them know that you will help them talk things through and figure it out, but you don't know all the answers. And talking about that word shame. Name it, you tame it. Shame. There is nothing to be ashamed about. And people, like even the fact that this is in the news yesterday, talk about that statistic with your kids tonight around the dinner table. Okay. Yeah, that's just bring point. it up. That's a good point. And the other thing, just about the 60%, you know, um, they won't tell their parents. It is to do with that shame. But if you have a safe environment for them where they feel they can talk, and you may not want to hear some of the stuff they'll tell you. Mm -hmm. But aren't you better off knowing? Aren't you better off knowing what's going on than being blindsided? And it might be about it might be your own child that's doing something, but getting right in there, understanding why, and asking them the question and trying to figure out why did they do that? Are they jealous? Are they hurt? Are they? And is there stuff going on at home for them? Uh, you know, is there is there one of their parents not well? Is there you know separate? Is there stuff going on? You don't know. You don't. So know. helping them. Yeah, and that's emo social emotional learning, uh, PJ. Yeah. It's showing kids they don't, they're not born with this. They don't know empathy and yeah. kindness yeah. and respect, and they don't understand about their emotions. So you'll have 14, 15, 16-year-olds that are absolutely keyboard warriors, ranting, but underneath it all, they're possibly jealous or they're hurting, and hurt people hurt people. How many times have heard that? Yeah, yeah if you name it, you tame it. So if I know I'm jealous, then I'm very aware of I'm jealous. And is it right to lash out on someone because I'm jealous? So yeah. these are the conversations in the classroom, at home, with the auntie you go to visit for a sleepover. It has, and the fact that this is in the news, you know, I, I'll, uh, Dr. Mona Moore, I'm lucky enough to know the woman personally, and she's amazing. And it's a whole community approach, tried and tested in other countries. And it's the only real way to do that. Okay. You've got a couple of things coming up that I wanted to talk about, Avril. You have a kindness online and internet safety for kids and families. Tell me more. Yeah, PJ, we, we launched the Cyber Academy for kids 7 to 10 year olds and basically it's nine episodes. We've the 10th one coming out uh, at the end of the month in October called Fake News. And um, 
the teacher can actually do these in class. But one of the episodes I, I mentioned uh, to Fergal was kindness, a short video on what kindness is. And then there's a Kahoot quiz and there's a chat. You can actually, a parent can do this at home. Just go to our website, micro.com internet safety and the cyber academy. And the kindness one is lovely. And it's opening up all those questions. Everything that I've just talked to you through there, these are the questions to have with kids in a gentle, you know, uh, way where, where it all comes out. Um, and we're also, PJ, I can't believe this myself, the, the transition years are delivering the Cyber Academy to their local primary schools. And we have a load of schools are training at the moment. And you can imagine an eight-year-old will listen to a 15-year-old before they'd listen to you or me. And I'm so glad we got to that point. It's a great way to finish. It's better to listen yeah. for an eight-year-old to listen to a 15-year-old than it is yeah. to listen to a 50-year-old. It's not. And how cathartic is that as well, <laughs> PJ, for a 15-year-old to actually tell kids what they don't want these kids to go through that they did. Exactly. All right, listen, Avril, we'll talk again. Avril Ronan from Trend Micro. Look it up and you'll find all the details of those seminars and webinars and whatever they're running. Thank you. Still asking you what part you wash first in the shower and how much it says about you. We've quite a lot of control freaks listening to the opinion line this damp and manky Friday morning, I may tell you. I will come back to it. Also, did you see this story? This broke on a radio station up the country yesterday uh, on uh, Highland Radio, um, where Greg Hughes, I know Greg, Greg had this on his talk show. This law student at Maynooth University, uh, this was a story based on the shortage of student accommodation. A law student was allegedly expected to share her bed with somebody else. She was told, allegedly, by the landlord that half of her room would be rented out to a stranger. Now, initially, she thought, OK, I might have to get to know somebody here. That could be awkward, but hey, no. <laughs> There's just one bed. There's a double bed. And she'll have to share it with them. Again, allegedly, the landlord was looking for €25 Euro a night for one side of the double bed. The student obviously said, no, I'm not putting up with that, and has gone to try to find somewhere else to live. The room was being rented under this rent-a-room scheme where you can claim fourteen grand in rent before you have to pay any tax. Her parents rang Highland Radio to, to tell the story yesterday uh, uh, wow 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 some people, I saw this on, on social last night some people were saying oh no that can't be true but the world is mad enough the world is just mad enough where it might be true 0818 96 96 96 Laura you are starting an online start your own business course from next week morning morning PJ how are you good you're trying to reach businesses who are struggling, small businesses struggling, is it to get started or to move on from the start? A bit of both actually, so small businesses out there at the moment are really struggling, as are all types of businesses, but there's less support there for the small business, so the best way to get through all of this is education, knowledge, information so um, as well, if you're thinking of starting a business, again, back yourself up with, with 
great foundations. So anybody who's after opening a business or is self-employed has a specific talent and they're amazing at that, whether it's making cakes to photography to tech skills to, uh, you know, all of those. But they're not going to have everything all the other skills that they need and expertise. So having a good basic knowledge would be great. So next week, I'm back to the what's formerly known as the Cork College of Commerce. It's now known as the Morrison Island Campus. And, um, school of Com. Weeks- It'll always be School of Com. It's, it still will be to me. I'm still, it's a mouthful with the new with the new name, to be honest. Um, so I'm going to be there for, for the next eight weeks, starting next Tuesday. I'll be running it online for those busy people as well uh, and covering everything from starting up to analysing, researching, marketing, sales, all mm. the finances, the supports that are out there. Um, and as well, the College of Commerce, they run numerous other types of courses as well, languages and general interest and the evenings are getting darker so why not sign up to courses and you know, broaden those horizons. It is kind of adult education course season, people signing up to find something to do with those dark Mm. evenings. But in in terms of your own course, like there are people who are brilliant at craft, they do a service, they make something, they're maybe Mm -hmm. great at computer programming or designing your own website, but that's what they do it's, it's the yeah. business of how you do what you do. That's what you're at. Correct. So how to market and sell your service, your skills, your products, the Irish tax system, you know, how to forecast and manage your finances, legal requirements. You've got about six, All- six years to learn that damn thing. <laughs> well, this will give you, a, this course will give you a really good foundation Great. to get you started and more solid in your business. Where can people find out more, Laura? You can go online to their website. You can follow me as well online. But if you go on to morrisonsislandcampus.ie, you'll see a list of all of their courses. A lot of the general interest ones are starting next week, and I believe their QQIs are already after starting up. So, yeah, um, get yourself equipped with knowledge and more tools. There's plenty of education opportunities out there uh, this autumn. Um, and indeed they'll be back in the spring. Laura, thank you very much. Morrison's Island Campus. Look it up and you'll find it there. It will always be, though, to us Corkonians. School calm. The Cork Diary. The Cork Diary is a free service. So if you're a community group, a not-for-profit organisation, or you have a fundraising event you would like mentioned, let us know and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie. The Cork Diary. With Tusla Fostering. Now seeking foster carers for short and long-term emergency and respite fostering in Cork. See fostering.ie. On Cork's 96fm. 0818. 96, 96, 96. Coming up in just a sec. Do you wake up, no matter how well you sleep, do, do you wake up at the same time? All the time. And you go, oh, Jesus, not again. Do, does that happen to you? Because I tell you something, it happens to me a few times a week. That's coming up. Just going back to that um, story from this law student at Maynooth University who was to share a room under this rent-a-room scheme where the landlord can take 14 grand in rent tax-free renting to private tenants 
but it's not covered by landlord or tenant law, you see. It's not covered, therefore, I think, by the Residential Tenancies Board. That's the question that they were asking when it came up on Greg Hughes' show on Highland Radio. Like, is this legal? If you have a room, and I'm just throwing it out there, is this like if you have a room in your house, you can now claim fourteen thousand in rent, tax free, to give that room, rent out that room to a student. But this person was renting out that room to two students, and expecting them to share a bed. Now there were two girls, um, but look. This law student from Maynooth said, no, I can't do that. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm not sharing my bed. My room, maybe. You get to know a person, but my bed, absolutely not. With a total stranger. And it was being described as constructive eviction. Uh, yeah, constructive eviction and things like that. When this all went online, one or two people came back and said, oh, no, that's not happening. That can't possibly be happening. Actually, then there were a few examples. Yes, yeah, it did happen to me as well. I was expected to share my room with a complete stranger and my bed with a complete stranger. But there's a good point. This €14,000 tax-free rent-a-room scheme, is it actually covered by the Residential Tenancies Board? It's a very good question. 0818969696, Kevin says, and you wonder why some landlords don't want to register. There's a point. Uh, Fine Gael have failed on housing utterly in their 11 years in power. We need a general election, says another text. There's a breaking story coming in. Emergency services responding to an incident. I'll give you more in a sec. Um, you may uh, f- forgive me, Tom, if I break our conversation to get to that once it comes in. Tom Coleman is a sleep expert and he's got a website to do with sleep and all of that. But Tom, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about interruptions of sleep because the great thing is whether it's five hours, six hours, seven hours to have slept in an uninterrupted manner is a great night's sleep. What happens when you wake up the same time every night for no reason and it's the same time, it's happened several times a week. Morning, Tom. Good morning. Um, yeah, there's several different reasons why you can have and, and things that contribute. So, <clears throat> firstly, maybe contribution. So, as you sleep at night, the sleep pressure in your in your brain drops. So you're more likely to wake, and also your sleep is naturally getting lighter as the night progresses because each sleep cycle you have more REM sleep. So the chances of it happening are increasing as the night goes on. That's the first thing. Now. It can happen for so many different reasons. You know, maybe it's the ba- you want to go to the bathroom, body temperature, buildup of heat, um, anxiety, stress, high cortisol levels, uh, maybe breathing difficulty, medications, hormones. There's, there's so many different reasons. Or you could have inadvertently trained yourself that way. <laughs> you know, the brain loves patterns and habits, and some people. Um, have inadvertently trained their brain to wake up. I think I think I might be one of those. I'll come back to you in just yeah. 20 seconds just to let you know, listeners know, Tom, thank you for bearing with me. Emergency services are responding to an incident at Mayfield Business Park, believed to be either a gas leak or a gas explosion. 
the local area being evacuated and more on this when we get it. But that's what's happening at the moment at Mayfield Business Park, believed to be either a gas leak or a gas explosion. Emergency services at the scene, as I say, we'll bring you more when we have it. Thanks for bearing with me on that one, Tom. I, I think I may yeah. have gone into this because, like, I would w- wake pretty much every morning between yes. quarter past one and half past one. Now, sometimes it's to go to the toilet, but sometimes I don't need the toilet at all. And it's ah. o- it only happens on a work night. Now, riddle me that one. <laughs> well, you see, we have this kind of anticipatory thing going on in our brain where, you know, if we haven't uh, wound down or we have something important happening the next day, that's, you know, to some degree, the subconscious is on alert because it's maybe some threat or danger there. Um, so when w- w- there's nothing there, you can complete you can completely let go. And sleep really is is an act of letting go, isn't it? When you think about it, yeah. letting go of the day, letting go of any threat, letting go of your hopes and dreams, and you know, falling into sleep. So um, certainly, I think the combination of having to go to the bathroom and that becoming a regular thing, uh, and then if there's anything in the background, like. Because we all know if, if we have a fl- an early flight or a very important meeting, we're very sensitive. The brain is very sensitive, so mm. uh, it, w- it, it will wake up. Now, the question is, what are we going to do about this? Yes. Um, and wake episodes and waking can be very normal. I mean, we don't refer to it as sleep because it's not one continuous event. Yeah. So, you know, how do we get back to sleep quickly? And that's the trick. You know, that's the... And I like to sort of say to people, look treat it as normal uh, to a certain degree um, and then you know give yourself a strategy don't focus on I have to get back to sleep rather say to yourself this is fine this is normal I'm just going to relax as much as possible yeah and the sleep will take care of itself and there are other things we can do throughout the day as well that will help us and contribute yeah I think previously we we've sp- spoken I've spoken to other experts in the field and they say we sleep in cycles of about 90 minutes. Correct. And that could be Correct, two yeah. or three or four. And for a very good night's sleep, you should try to wake up at a particular point of your sleep cycle. We can't always do that. But I take it then that the, the constant waking is at a particular time in one of your cycles, correct? Yeah, it, it, it will be happening. Now, there can be, there could be a, a medical issue there. Uh, so there are, you know, uh, parasomnias, and these are, you know, in the classification of sleep disorders, they happen either in REM sleep or non-REM sleep. And that could be, you know, anything from uh, a recurrent sleep behavior disorder, like, you know, waking and shouting and being disorientated uh, to sleep paralysis. So if there's something going on, I mean, correct, like, diagnosis is really important. Um, but we tend to wake at the uh, in the transition at the end of the REM cycle and, and going into a new cycle. We tend to wake in transitions. Mm. This is between dream and going between deep again. dream state. That's right, yeah, that's right. That's where there is more of a tendency to wake up. And as I said, as the night goes on, because the sleep pressure in the brain is dropping. What, what's um, sleep pressure, Tom? Explain that. It's, it's a build-up of adenosine plaque that we have throughout the day. So uh, essentially what it, what it means to you is that the longer I keep you awake, PJ, the more tired you feel. Mm. That's what sleep pressure is. So if we're kept awake and kept awake, the sleep pressure is building. But it is an actual... Th- 
you know, plaque in the brain. And mm. as we sleep, that's cleared. And that grogginess you feel in the morning, that's the adenosine floating around your bloodstream. That really? tiredness feel. Yeah, and people, to clear that, they tend to reach for coffee <laughs> and it, the caffeine blocks the adenosine receptor in the brain. You're so joking me. You're better off. Yeah, so you're better off actually in the morning to clear that getting bright light exposure because bright light exposure <sighs> is the best way to clear grogginess and hold off in the coffee for an hour or two and um, that will actually help you with the afternoon slump. Now you're explaining something that, again, I think a lot of people are discovering, um, particularly those of us who are early risers. The, the, the lovely yes. mornings are gone. That lovely yes. twilighty stroke sunlight morning is gone. And it's not, it's not a coincidence, is it then, Tom, that it's harder to drag yourself out of the scratcher, no matter how well you've slept. Well, it is. It is. That's exactly right, PJ. I mean, you're, you're actually during winter, your bedtimes and rising times are pushed back. So, you're, so you're, you're going to bed slightly later and you're getting up slightly later. And it's harder to get out of the bed when, this, when, the, when the light isn't there, because that is the key uh, zeitgeber or time giver to the brain that, look, it's time for action now. So, really? you know... Um, so it's not we, a coincidence then. I thought it was. I thought no, it was just me. That I was. No, a, <laughs> it's not. It's, yeah. It actually is sunlight. Oh yeah, sunlight is, is 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 the key. We have receptors at the back of our retina for for different frequencies of light to activate the the the, the timing mechanism of our body clock essentially. So absolutely key. And I've I've had lots of people writing to me recently saying exactly what you're saying. It's just I find it harder to get out of bed in the morning. So mm. yeah, no coincidence and very common. Yeah. No, and, and and nothing to do whether you've slept well or not. So so if you are having these incidences of waking, and particularly yeah. regular ones, what can you start to do yeah. during the day to avoid having them? Well, I, you know, it will. The, the nature of the problem will inform the solution. So um, I'd say, uh, in a general sense, lots of uh, physical activity and exercise, but not too close to bedtime because we don't want high cortisol because high cortisol will keep you awake or indeed wake you up. Um, con- controlling the light input. So you're getting, you know, lots of full spectrum light during the day and then avoiding too much bright light. An eye mask will, will certainly help. Um, watch the stress and anxiety, especially in the evening time. Remember to wind down as well. Stop scrolling. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, you're not, that's not re- relaxation. You know, that's distraction. Um, you're, you're winding yourself up. Um, go to the bathroom before sleep. Watch the, the stimulants, the coffee. So, you know, cut out that mm. after tea? lunch uh, for sure. And tea isn't as heavy in caffeine, but can still, um, it still does contain caffeine. So it mm. takes time to clear. It takes time to clear from the system. Good bedroom, a good mattress that dissipates heat. Um, you know, and there are some supplements that have been shown to help mm. with wake episodes and keep you in, in, in sleep for, for longer. Yeah, there's another thing that happens, and I think it happens to a lot of people. So you're sitting there, you're watching a bit of telly, or you're reading a book. I like to read late at night for at least a half yeah. an hour before I go to bed. You you read, and you're falling into the book, <laughs> and the, the telly program has gone out the window. So you decide, yeah. right, that's me done, up the stairs, into the bed. Ping! Wide awake. Oh, wide awake. Why, <laughs> wide Tom? Awake. Why? Oh, oh it's very, that's, an, that's an easy one. I call it cognitive chewing gum. Um, when you're sitting there, you're, 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 you're watching something which doesn't have a big demanding load on the brain. You're 
your brain is occupied, it's not able to start thinking about, you know, what am I to do tomorrow now? Um, I have to do this and do that, and I'm very busy. And, you know, so you're giving your brain some cognitive chewing gum. And that's what we need to do is, well, I say cognitively unwind. Because uh, we're great with kids, we understand that they need to unwind, but we don't do it with ourselves. So that unwinding with, brings um, activity away from the prefrontal cortex, um, which is, is the same part of your brain that's in charge of worry and all that kind of thing. So that mental and cognitive wind down is super important. So in bed, you can do that yourself with a, with a visualization exercise or a body scan or things like that. You don't recommend a podcast, for example. Oh yeah, podcasts. I mean, I, I'm, I'm. Um, you can you can set a timer on your phone to switch off after fifteen or twenty minutes. Yeah. Um, it's when it's when you're when it's when you're scrolling and and flicking the screen and on social media. That's the thing, that's detrimental yeah. and it's going to keep you in a state of alert. So destroy, yeah. absolutely a podcast, but keep keep the phone away from mm. the bed with the light off and listen to your podcast and. That'll help you. You have Instagram and lots of videos. You also got a website you want to tell us about. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm just opening up a new uh, uh, program. I do I'm, I take on a certain amount of people um over a few months when I work with people, PJ. It's like nutrition or exercise. It's it's re- it's not a one off because you wouldn't go to the gym once or or, or, or exercise or, or have have one meal and say, Well that didn't work or it did work. So I'm the same and I work with people I take them on and I sort of go in depth. So I have a comprehensive kind of 12-week sleep program. So I'm just kind of opening that up next week. Um, if anyone needs help with their sleep, they can contact me on tomcoleman.ie uh, on Instagram or that's my website as well, www.tomcoleman.ie. Excellent. All right, we'll, we'll chat again. Uh, no doubt about something we all do every day or every night. We have to do it to survive. Um, it's like eating. You got to sleep as well. Tom Coleman, thank you very much. Oh eight one eight, ninety six ninety six ninety six. That uh, that explains the early mornings. It also explains something that in the summertime, on a day I'm off, I'm up. I can be up at half seven twenty to eight. Even on holidays, I can be up at half seven twenty to eight. But in the winter time, when I'm off, you're dragging me out of the bed at all hours because I just I need the light to wake up. Thank you, Tom. 0818969696. In case you missed that bit, emergency services are responding to an incident at Mayfield Business Park, believed to be either a gas leak or a gas explosion. At this point, we do not know. The area has been evacuated, if there's any more information. We'll bring it to you as soon as we have it. On the School of Commerce, that's taken the MIC Cork School of Commerce now called Morrison's Island Campus, says Pat. Thanks. Standing charges on electricity. I got my ESB bill, or, well, electric bill, yesterday. I got, uh, I use, I think it's board, yes, yeah, board gash I'm with at the moment until such time as bonkers helps me go somewhere else. But I got my bill yesterday. It's not bad, actually. I was expecting it to be worse. It's, 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 do- it's doable. Um, but I looked at the standing charge and it is just bonkers. Like the standing charge is about, I think, was it 70 cents a day? So I leave the house in flipping darkness. I don't turn anything on. I don't buy a kettle. I leave the house in darkness. Plug out the fridge, and I'm still being charged this standing charge. It's just crackers. Jimmy says, I can't fathom these standing charges. How do they get away with it? It's like getting into a pub and asking for a pint. 
And the barman says, I have to take for two pints. Why? Oh, standing charge. <laughs> yeah, you can imagine how long he'd last. Nicole Horgan is from Carrick Tool. She's 22 and she's studying at the moment. What are we studying, Nicole? Um, interior architecture. What Irish actor played the lead role in the movie Lady Bird? You said Saoirse Ronan. Yeah. Nicole Horgan from Carrick Tool. You've just won 2,000 euros. Shaka! got 10 out of 10 with loads of time to go think about this all your friends will have nine straws around a pint and you'll have one for yourself yeah. <laughs> <laughs> up the cash cash, cash. the two grand minute listen to play at 7.40 and 8.40 every day on Casey and Ross in the morning Cork's 96 FM selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, speaking of standing charges, no matter what meter you have in the house, you'll have a standing charge to deal with. But there's all talk now about standing, or about meters and smart meters. And uh, I read a statistic this morning that there's about a million of them gone into the system. And they're clever things that are supposed to manage your electricity bill, or I expect you can put them on your gas as well, but electricity, in the best way possible. Um, so that the system counts when you use your electricity and gives you a rate based on your time of use. Katrina Redmond from the Examiner has been looking into smart meters. Um, and, and they are, there's a, quite a number of them out there, Katrina. Not everybody has them yet, but you say in, in your piece, we should all get one. Morning. Oh, good morning. Absolutely, we should. I mean, look, 
if we think back to, to to our most recent bill and those of us who don't have smart meters on your bill, you'll have an A beside your meter reading. And that means it's an actual reading that's and that's reflected in your bill. And then you might have a little, a little E letter and E means it's estimated. And a series of estimated bills is a slippery slope to nasty surprises. I had one of those a few years back and it cost me €375 when I didn't have it. So knowing that your bill is always accurate is always a good idea. Yeah. You can submit a reading any day of the week, whenever you want, online, via your supplier or by ESB networks. Or if you have a smart meter, this all happens automatically so you don't need to worry about it, which is why I say smart meters are a good idea. So it's connected, is it, to your Wi-Fi or something? Or what, how does it it's, work? It's connected to the network. Now, I will say that in rural areas in Ireland where there's a poor network signal, it might not work the way that, that it's intended to do. But if you're living in an ur- urban area, if you're living in, in, you know, Cork, Limerick, Galway, Dublin, there will be no problem and the data is transmitted on a regular basis. So when you're signed up to a smart meter rate or a smart meter tariff, that data is being transmitted every 30 minutes. So, and, presu- people, and, and presumably I don't have to go looking at it myself. I can just let it there. Yes. Oh, you just leave it there and that's it. You don't touch it. Now, there's over 980,000 smart meters installed in the country. When they're finished, the whole installation, it's a whole upgrade thing. It's a it's a national campaign. It's, it's going to happen. There'll be 2.5 million of them. But at the moment, less than 40,000 customers have signed up for smart meter rates. And what are they? So this is this time of use tariff. So this is where your smart meter detects what you're using at, at, at what time of the day. And most of us would be familiar with the old day-night meters. So it's a modern way of doing a day-night meter, but it's a little bit more specific to what you're using. So if, say, you might have an electric vehicle, so you might be signed up to a smart meter EV rate. So you'll get an extra discount for charging your EV at night. Or you could have storage heaters, you know, electric storage heaters that charge overnight. So that's where a day-night meter is a good idea. Now, Now, at the moment... There's no smart meter tariff or time of use tariff which penalizes us or takes away, you know, this five to seven in the middle of the day time. Yeah. So that's the time they're asking us to reduce to, to reduce our use. But there's actually no smart meter rate that matches that at the moment. I was going to ask you that. There was talk and I was hearing it on radio yesterday, talk that in order to encourage us, shall we say, to use less lecky between 5 and 7 p.m., that they might put the price up between 5 and 7 p.m.? So so, so they don't like to make things easy for us to interpret or easy to us, you know, to, to pull apart what exactly is happening. But what they're going to do is they're going to encourage the customers and smart meter rates to use the, the power less between 5 and 7. So 5 and 7 will, will be 10% more expensive than the times outside of that. But the thing is, there's only 40,000 customers in the, give or take, 40,000 customers in the country signed up to the smart meter rates. So what do the rest of us do? So it doesn't make sense for us to sign up to smart meter rates. I would argue no, because if it did, I'd be on a smart meter rate and I'm not. They're more expensive at the moment. They're more expensive for all customers um, at the moment. The, The cheaper rate is to stay on your standard, your standard discounted with your supplier at the moment. I see. The thing about using electricity at night and at off peak, 
And I remember a few weeks ago when, was it Eamon Ryan? It might have been some him or some other government minister suggested that we use our appliances late at night. And, and every fire officer in the country went, no, stop, don't I, even I, think about it. I couldn't agree with them more. I think I think it's a really dangerous thing to be advising people to be using their appliances at night. It's a fire risk. And time and time again, you've heard them on the show. I've heard them. People are going to bed and their appliances, leaving their appliances running, tumble dryers, washing machines, dishwashers, and they're going on fire. And it's a very, very bad idea. Lastly, people worry about it the word smart and I remember when smart metering came out first I had people on the phone to me here saying oh no they'll take all your information they'll know what you're doing they'll, they'll, they'll read your text messages like that, that this technology that they're not going to start sucking up your information about what you're shopping what you're drinking what you're eating no they're not going to watch what you're doing that. on the internet I would argue if you had Facebook, Instagram and TikTok on your phone, they'd certainly have access to an awful lot more data than your smart meter. But no, um, in in order for you to be signed up to a smart meter, a couple of things have to happen. So the first thing is you have to give permission to your energy supplier to receive and process your data. So before you can even get onto a smart meter rate, you've got to issue that permission. So if you have a smart meter right now and you're worried about your data being shared, um, unless you're on a smart meter rate, it's not. And when your information goes over to your energy supplier, they're only allowed to process it for the purposes of assessing your electricity use. But they also have to make that data available to you. So they need to. So they have to make sure that you can read it and you can consume or interpret that data in your own time as well. So that has to be made available via their website or via their app. So, so you will see what is being shared. I see. Um, I think I think that it's 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 a very good idea for us to be really aware of them. But until the energy companies start giving us a financial incentive to move over to smart meters, I don't understand why they're pushing us and why there's this massive push for us to move over to smart meters when they are. It, the rate is more expensive at the moment and we are all coming into a difficult time. Why would we be paying more? There's a thing. Someone's just said smart meters seem like a great idea until you see the smart tariff standing charge higher than standard meter tariffs. They also have less less flexible tariffs than day-night meters. So like you said, we're not ready to be there yet. Lastly, do, do you have to pay extra for it to be installed? No, the smart meters are, are free and they're being installed by ESB networks. So so ESB networks are installing them. You'll get a letter in the post into your house about two to three weeks before they're being installed to advise you of a time that they're going to be installed and you'll lose your power for about a half an hour on the day that, they, that they're placed in. Um, that's literally the only inconvenience. Providing your meter boxes outside of the house, it, they won't even be coming into the house t- to do it for you. Um, and there's, there's literally zero charge. So there's no need to worry from that point okay. of view. Okay, yeah. Someone just ma- e- emailed here, listening about smart meters. My sister is disabled. They've, she has machines on at night, has to have them on. She was told last year she'd get a smart meter. My meter's up high. She still has nothing. So is it random? Do you, will you just get a letter? Yeah, so it's being rolled out by by the ESB networks. So so they're doing it by postal address. And I... I, I suspect is something got to do with air code so where where i live i live in an estate and in the space of three weeks they 
replace the smart meter for every single customer within the within the estate. So they are slowly moving their way across the company. They've got across the country. They've got a raft of vans and installers on the way. So it is going to take time. They've been doing it now for about 18 months, a year to 18 months. It's going to take at least another two years to complete mm the whole 2.4, 2.5 million that have to be swapped out. At the moment, there isn't a massive saving involved in, in having one, but it's coming anyway. Thank you, Katrina Redmond of the Irish Examiner has been looking into the whole smart meter phenomenon. They're coming. They're coming. No, they're not. No, they're not going to be tapping into your internet activity or, or checking out what you're watching on Netflix. No, they're not. 0818-969696 Up in Mayfield, just fire control have confirmed that was a gas cylinder explosion. Uh, response is ongoing. We're sincerely hoping that nobody was injured there. 0818-969696 on smart meters. PJ, I'm just wondering, why in the private rental sector, where I lived for many years, there was a night saver option? It doesn't seem to be available outside of private rental. The answer to that, I absolutely do not know. 0818 96 96 96. I'll come back to those smart meters comments. I want to talk a little bit about children and migraine because it must be very distressing to watch your child having a migraine. It's bad enough to get one yourself and you as an adult know what this awful headache and this horrible flashing sensation around your eyes in and, and you know you're in for for trouble if you have a migraine. But what if your children have migraines or your child has a migraine? What can you do? Joined by Helen Breen from the Migraine Association of Ireland. I guess the first question, Hazel, is at what stage do children start to get migraines and how would you know? Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having us on, PJ. Yeah, well, the truth is a migraine can happen at any age. It gets more prevalent as you get older into the teen years and adult years as well. Um, But it can be very, it can be hard to diagnose in a child because first off, a child, it's it's harder for a child to actually explain how they're feeling depending on what age they are as well, of course. And then there is differences in children's migraine compared to, you know, compared to teenagers and adulthood. So some of the triggers to look out for, for parents would be, well, actually triggers that actually make the onset of migraine occur in children are certain foods such as cheese, citrus fruits, chocolate, fizzy drinks or preserved meats like ham and things like that. Ham actually is full of nitrates and it causes headache. Mm. It's a tip for anyone that might, you know, get a lot of headache and eat a lot of ham because I do myself. But when I read that, the, that it's that like, oh, maybe pack, need is to. Is that the packet ham or the ham you boil yourself? Um, I think it's ham in general. Oh, it's nice, um, okay. well more so processed ham, so yeah. probably deli ham and things like that. But you know, with children, it can be missed meals. Migraine loves routine throughout. Yeah. Doesn't matter what age you are. So you know, if you're getting too much sleep or to a lack of sleep or if they miss a meal or you know they don't have a snack before a certain activity that can bring on the onset of migraine so there are a few triggers anxiety stress for schoolwork and um, school exams things like that or you know maybe relationships with it could be parents family or friends you know things like that it's, there's a lot of anxiety around children's migraine but it's very hard for parents to know because there's a lot of different symptoms that you know, I suppose bleed into other factors as well but it doesn't necessarily mean a child with a migraine will get a headache. Yeah. If they're not getting a headache, 
they could be vomiting or have nausea or they could have visual disturbances or strange sensations or the, if there's a history of migraine in the family, say if one or two of the parents have migraine, it, it you know, 50 to 75% chances are it might go on to your child because it's hereditary that, in a lot of cases. There's, there's an expression, silent migraine. Is that where you have all the other symptoms and no headache? Well, the reason, you know, a lot of the reasons they say silent migraine, and this is why a lot of people assume, you know, it's just a headache or, you know, they don't understand migraine as, as a whole. If, some, if they can't physically see that someone's having a headache or it can, it can seem invisible to people looking from the outside. You know, if you're, if, you, if you're having visual disturbances, someone can't see what's going on with you, but it can be very, obviously it can be very traumatising yeah. and very alarming to people. You know, it can cause a lot of anxiety and everything else. So the, the majority of children, well, you know, in a lot of cases, it can be abdominal migraine and it's all around the stomach, stomach pains, nausea, as I said. So that's how it presents a lot of the time in children. But just to note, because um, this is very important, if headache is a concern to a parent, first and foremost, we would advise to go seek medical attention because mm. not to scare longer people, but just to rule out any other serious or more serious condition. But That's the headache expression you've just be... used I've never heard, Hazel. Abdominal migraine? Stomach. Yeah, so it's all around the stomach area. Whereas you'll find like adults might not, you know, adults can have can, can get like worse migraine. There's loads of different types of migraine in adults, but with kids, it can be generally abdominal migraine that when they go into their teen years, it will go into a more general migraine then. Crikey. So that is that, a, is that mm. stomach pain? Yeah, it's stomach pain, nausea, vomiting. So that's, that's kind of one thing to look out for as well. But, you know, like, did you say, you know, try reduce you know, long hours of video games and things like that. And a lot of kids like to do that and, you know, long screen time. But that can be, you know, that's that's symptoms of epilepsy, say, for example, in other conditions as well. So that's why it's so hard to diagnose in children. Migraine is very hard to diagnose overall. It can take someone five or eight years to get fully diagnosed because, unfortunately, GPs only get four hours training in this area and they are general practitioners. So it's very hard for them to say, actually, I know exactly what this is, especially in a child. And that's why it can be very hard for parents to understand what's going on with their child. But our, our, our top tip from all neurologists around Ireland, anytime we ask them for new tips, they always say the same thing, is to actually start filling out a migraine diary. Because if they can actually note the diet and you know exercise patterns, things like that, sleep patterns with their child, and if they do that, um, you know, even if it's 24, say if it was 24 hours before the onset of a migraine, they'd be able to look back on that page and go, actually, here's what happened before my child got their migraine or got those symptoms. So that way you're, you're sort of collecting evidence and you know, well, yeah. the last time that she had ham and cheese, she went that way. Yeah, it could be like they started getting their headache or they started to get nausea or visual disturbances. So if you have like, for example, like we would always advise if someone, if, if if there is a reoccurring, if there is reoccurring migraine symptoms and, you know, advise, you know, ask for a referral from your GP to go see a neurologist. But if you're waiting to see a neurologist, if you have three months or even a bit of that migraine diary filled out, you're going into a neurologist or a specialist or even the GP armed with information. So they'll be able, so you'll be able to get the most out of your appointment. And the, the doctor, the, the healthcare specialist, will be able to say, 
actually hold on now I'm starting to see a pattern and they'd be able to diagnose quicker so it's a, it's a, a quicker way a quicker path to treatment and care. Okay, It's a fascinating field and a complicated one and one I think we will come back to in the future. Hazel, thank you, Hazel Breen from the Migraine Association of Ireland and they have a website with lots of information on it that you can, you can pick up on too. If anyone whose child is having migraines or you think your child is having migraines or how did you deal with it when they started to have migraines or what age were they? when they started to have migraine or have you ever come across a child or even yourself that had a migraine that wasn't in your head one that was in a different part of your body like 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 the stomach which I didn't know about that's a a learning curve for me today Hazel Breen thank you 0818 96 96 96 if you've uh, if you particularly have a child who has suffered or is suffering from migraine. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. There's some great music coming up at this year's Guinness Cork Jazz Festival at the end of October, including the new Power Generation celebrating Prince, Hermitage Green, Mac Fleetwood, King Kong Company, Jazzanova Live and Go Go Penguin. You can check out more details and ticket information at GuinnessCorkJazz.com. Access all areas. One of Ireland's best bands, Villagers, are set for an acoustic show live at the Everyman Theatre on December 11th. Tickets are on sale now from cypressavenue.ie and wearevillagers.com Access All Areas You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play or exhibition coming up or any live streaming events or gigs by emailing us at aaa at 96fm.ie Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96FM. Sarah Fylan is running a six-week course and starting in Glanmire in October for mums and mums-to-be. What's it all about, Sarah? Morning. Good morning, PJ. Um, Merry Mamas is about empowering mothers to look after and improve their emotional and mental health and well-being. Um, so I'm going to be teaching lots of skills around, you know, looking after your nervous system, emotional regulation. I'll be teaching about stress and anxiety management, especially in motherhood. Um, there'll be lots of discussion and, you know, sharing if people wish and lots of engagement mm. and, you know, discussion about the huge change that motherhood brings um, there's a term called matrescence and it is, you know, the term that's used now for uh, describing the process of becoming a mother. Yeah, yeah. And that came up before uh, on the programme actually, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a very, it's, it's amazing actually if when mothers discovered that there's a term for it and that there's a lot more information around it, they get great comfort from, from it. Um, you know, when it describes their experience, because a lot of mothers go into motherhood without this information, without, you know, um, I suppose, looking in general at their expectations of what motherhood is going to be. And everyone's kind of, well, not everyone, but a lot of people are told, oh, sure, it'll all be instinct and it'll all come to you. But that doesn't happen for everybody. And, you know, that's when support is really needed. Like. Yeah. It's 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 kind of like adolescence is becoming an adult, matrescence exactly. is becoming a mother, and adolescence, as we know, takes a period of time. So too does becoming a mother. 
That's it. And it's funny as well, with adolescence and with matrescence, both involve huge hormone fluctuations, both involve, you know, uh, brain changes and upgrades, essentially. Mm. And that's that's all very, you know, it can be uncomfortable and overwhelming at times mm. um, for anybody going through those different periods of time, you know. Both can be a process during which you are ex- incredibly moody too. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. But that's and and that's where the emotional regulation comes in. You know, it's fine to be in a bad mood, but it's when when we're reacting to that, when we're not in control of our emotions. And like that's not to say that we should always be in control of our emotions, but there's there's better ways and there's skills and tools for regulating them and making them easier to manage. And that's what I will be teaching. Now, Mary, the, it's, the a six, it's a six-week course. Uh, there's a cost involved. We'll discuss that in a second. But is it for mums-to-be or mums who've just had their baby? Well, this is the thing. So it's for any mum that wants to attend, basically. Now, I did have to limit it in terms of, um, you know, I've said basically that it's just for mums that have babies who aren't, you know, moving around, toddling, whatever the case may be, because there will be a lot of information and, you know, it just wouldn't be conducive to taking in all that information. So I had to limit it in that sense. But, you know, I've had mums get in touch that are due a baby very soon. And I said, look, I'm hoping to do another one if the demand is there in the new year. But if there's a mum that's, you know, just, you know, in the early stages or middle stages of pregnancy, and she wants to come along absolutely and it also it's not just for first time mums it's for second third fourth whatever okay. you know that want to come um, if you know if they want to bring their baby that you know are younger and if not they can come with their own everybody is welcome in that okay. sense the cost involved it's 150 euro there's a, a discount until October 3rd but people can find out more they can email you I think info at marymecentre.ie that's right. All right. Okay, Sarah, good luck with it. We're going to talk again. That's uh, Sarah Filan. Merry Mamas starts in Glenmire Community Hall on 12th of October. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96 FM. I don't want to put the frighteners on anybody, but it's 12 weeks today. 12 weeks this very day that we finish up for the Christmas holidays. It's 85 days to Christmas. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. But the reason I mention it is because Hamleys, the greatest toy shop in the world ever, have put out their list of top 10 toys for Christmas 2022. And some of the old favourites are back. Play-Doh. Yes, Play-Doh. Is back. It's a big, big the ice cream truck, the Play-Doh ice cream truck. Santa's going to be getting a lot of letters asking for that. Peppa Pig. I, I'm telling you now, we'll be here in early December, trying to negotiate with the North Pole to see if Santa can get a Peppa Pig roller disco. Oh, I'm t- I kid you not, a Peppa Pig roller disco. Barbie is in the top ten. Uh, of course, Buzz Lightyear and the Toy Story people are all in there. The top ten. 
Hamleys has revealed their predicted most popular toys. An X-Shot Skins Last Stand. This is a yoke that shoots 14 foam darts at the one time. That'll be fun. Imagine that Christmas morning in the bed to you. Imagine that. If you had two bottles of red wine and whatever and yeah. Morning! Happy Christmas! Go away! It's coming. It's coming. 0818969696. We had some communication in the last week or so about solar panels and people asking me right look am I going to get a solar panel or a couple of solar panels or what and what if they go wrong is it worth happening is it worth having them first of all is there a real benefit to having them Um, and what happens if they go wrong who services them who do I call if my solar panel stops working is a solar panel a complete waste of time, energy and good money on a day like today, for example? What is the story with them? And also, this thing about can you get a benefit from the electricity grid for having a solar panel? If you create more energy, more solar energy than you have need of in the house, can you get a benefit from it? Other than buying a great big expensive battery, which yes, you can do. And we're talking to a few people who've had batteries and they, they work, they charge open, all that. Mim Cotton of uh, The Journal has been looking into this. Uh, there's a, a tweet that I have in front of me here, Mim, which said, there's no point, yours, there's no point in installing solar when ESP networks and SSC electricity, etc., refuse to measure the energy you give the grid. Now, for people who don't know about solar panels, who don't have a solar panel, explain that to start with. Good morning. Hi there. Um, uh, PJ. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. Well, oh, God. That, li- that line is not oh, the sorry. best at all. We're going to see if we can clean it up because it'll be dropping in and dropping out. Um, see if we can clean that one up there, guys, if you could. So, what Mim is saying, and I'll get to explain in just a second. If you make more energy from your solar panels than you actually need, at the moment, there doesn't seem to be any way to pump that back into the grid and get benefit from it. Uh, if you have a battery, but the batteries are expensive, you can store it up in the battery and then use it in the evening times when it's dark. But you can't get benefit. Yeah, just get her back there on that. That's great. So, Mim, you're back with me there now. and Thanks for holding on. So, you have solar panels. You're creating more energy than you need, but you can't get a benefit from it. Morning again. No. Morning, yeah, hi there. Um, no, yeah, we installed the panels two years ago. We live in a very sunny place um, just outside Skibbereen, so we're in a perfect location for generating energy from solar. And, um, you know, although the government and the Green Party have announced a micro-generation scheme which allows people to benefit from any energy they supply back to the grid, as well as charging you for what you might use over and above that. Um, it's not working that way at all. They keep promising they're going to introduce this scheme. Mm. And um, it's just not happening. And um, In simple terms, Mim, would that be that you, your, your solar panels, like you said, you live in a lovely sunny place, your solar panels generate more energy th- than you need. There should be a simple way to pump that back up into the grid and then get a credit against it from when you actually use the grid. Should yes, be, that's should, right. Should be simple, well, but it's not. But it's not. No, you see that it's it's slightly naughty in the sense that um, they have installed a 
smart meter in our house now, um, which presumably is supposed to be measuring what we give back. Um, but we don't know. They won't tell us. We can't see how much energy we're actually giving to them. They, if they know it, they're not telling us what it is. And um, so we're in a double bind now because we've outlaid all this money on installing solar panels. We also put in smart heaters, um, you know, to make the most of what we were doing. And so on top of all of that outlay, the the um, ESP and SSE electricity, they are estimating our usage. They ignore the actual readings that we give them. And they send us bills based on their estimates. And we don't know what they're basing their estimates on, but we're paying full whack. I mean, we're paying over and above what we would have been paying before. So we're totally out of pocket. Because I was only talking there a while ago about smart meters. And you're supposed to, if I was listening carefully, and I think I was, you don't ever have to read your meter again. If you have a smart meter, they already Mm -hmm. know. Yes, they should do, but they don't tell us. They're not itemising. Uh, we're worse off with the smart meter than we were with the one we had before. The one we had before was a very old generation meter. So when we were generating electricity, it just went backwards. And um, when we were using it, it went forwards. And I don't see why they wouldn't have just stuck with that system and say give you an annual bill so that over the course of a year, you're using, you're generating, and you do a reckoning, say, every February or March or something, at the end of winter, you pay a bill, and then you carry on. And they'd have a fraction of the administration, Mm. and it would be so straightforward. I would have thought if a smart meter is really smart, then it would know where the lecky is coming from, and if you're taking your supply from the grid, it charges you. But if you're taking your supply from the roof, from your own generation, it just stops moving. That would be yeah, simple. Well, it would be, but that's not how it's working. Um, we're, we're, they're basing, all our bills are based on estimates. They ignore the actual readings we give them. Um, and so, and we've pleaded with them. We've been up and down and in and out with emails and the usual rigmarole for two years. But, but how is that, sorry, how is that even legal? They're, they're charging you for estimates, but you're providing them with actual reads. I don't. I don't think it can be legal, and that's the next step for us. Now we're going to have to, um, you know, get advice, get legal mm-hmm. advice. I think at this stage. And sorry, when you give them a read, and say, "Listen, this is the actual read off my smart meter," what do they say? Well, it, we they, they kind of pass it backwards and forwards a bit between the ESB who take the reading and then the supplier who's SSE electricity. There's been a bit of toing and froing that way, where one of them is saying, "Oh, the other one says we can't do it." Um, you know, they're they're kind of toing and froing that way. Oh, and then from time to time, they say, "Oh, yes, okay, we're going to um, we're going to work it all out now, and we'll reimburse you. Just pay this bill, and then we'll work it out um, in time for the next one." But they never do. That's utterly, that's absolutely stupid. I know, it's really frustrating. And I know I know from a supplier, um, an installer, that there's a community um, organisation somewhere locally, I don't know who they are, um, who install solar panels. And they have been told categorically that they have to pay compensation um, because of the lost business. I don't know precisely how, but that seems to be what's actually mm-hmm. happening. You'd, you'd, that, be, that. You'd, you'd be better off, and I know you've spent a lot of money already, but I was talking to uh, another man here who, a couple of weeks ago, he, he has developed a fully passive house. Owen is his name, and he went and, ex- and expended money on batteries, and he'd be better, he's better off actually yeah, downloading his energy into batteries and, and using mm-hmm. it off the battery. 
Yeah, going off grid completely, and that's the next thing. But it's another huge outlay. It is, I yeah, mean, those batteries are very expensive, they are. and of course, we've kind of invested a lot already. We we thought this was all going to be sound. Yeah. I mean, I don't understand if they charged you, say, a little more for what you use from them than they pay you for what you give, because they have to run the system yeah. and all of that. They have the expense of all of that. But at the moment, we're actually worse off. We already paid. Um, it was like by June of this year, we had already had to pay fourteen hundred. Um, that's you know for for electricity, most of which we just have not used. And uh, God that's knows what it's going to be like the second half with the increased tariffs hey, during, and everything. During the summer and the lovely sunny few months that we've just had, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you must have had very little need of oh, the yeah. grid. No, we do everything during the day and daylight hours. The washing machine, the tumble. Yeah. Uh, well, you didn't need the tumble dryer this no, summer. No, you didn't. But, um, but the um, washing machine, anything you're using, the only thing that's running around the clock is probably the fridge and whatever few lights you have at night. But the thing is, like, I can't... Uh, smart, smart is a word that should speak for itself. Indeed. That when you're using the lecky from the panels, that should just stop moving. Yeah, that's it. And, um, I, you know, I, I just... I heard an explanation from somebody somewhere, which is that the government are supposed to be investing in upgrading the national system so that it can um, manage this. Now, I don't understand the technicalities no, of that, but it, it, apparently there has to be some investment um, in the in the national grid or infrastructure to make it, to bring it up, to, you know, to give it the ability to do this properly. Now, I don't know the ins and outs of all of that. No, nor I, should you have to. You're just a punter. You're just, you're just a customer. You shouldn't have to deal with that at all. The, the meters, the smart meters, or so-called smart meters, should take that into account. Mim, thank you for that. We'll stay in touch about this, because that's a bizarre one. You're creating your energy from the roof in your solar panels, and you're not getting the credit back off the ESB for it. Uh, and you, they won't accept your reading off the, off the meter. Now, Justin, uh, Justin does a bit of work with maintenance of solar panels, and we were looking for somebody who could talk to us about that that very thing. Uh, Justin, good morning. morning. You work for morning. a company called Vista Construction. Uh, first and foremost, Justin, is a solar panel maintainable? As in, put it up there, lasts a certain amount of time. When they start to go down, is there a maintenance I can do on them? Sure. I mean, there's, there's bits and pieces that a person can do um, in terms of looking after the system. Uh, firstly, the, the, the panels are designed to last like 20 years plus. Okay. Um, and the amount of production they reduce over that period is very minimal. So it's a very reliable system. Um, and maintenance is just something it, we do, actually don't have to do too much in Ireland. The rain does a lot of it for us. Right. So one of the critical things is to keep your panels clean, uh, keep the debris off it and that sort of thing. So with rain, it does self do that. But one of the main areas that one should be looking at, uh, and this is touching what uh, Mim just mentioned, is one should monitor how much production you're getting at the same time every year. I'll, I'll delve into that a little deeper in a second. But if you monitor your usage and you see a reduction in production, then you need to be looking at what is happening with the system. Um, it could be a simple cleaning process. So, And we're not saying get up there with your scrubby brushes and scrub them off. We certainly wouldn't uh, suggest people climb on ladders and mm. sort of endanger themselves rather get the right people in to do the job. But don't use chemicals on them because some of them leave a residue and that can cause issue in terms of production. Right. So the cleaning is just keeping them clear, keeping them 
you know, uh, stuff off of them right. and use chemicals on them. They, and do they have parts inside that can fail? Like, do they have tubes or do they have cells? They're, that... they're very reliable. You know, the, like I said, 20 years, 25 years is what you're looking at lifespan-wise right. on that. The, the inverter side, so basically the panels <clears throat> produce a DC energy um, that then has to be converted to AC to go onto your system. Mm. Uh, the inverter is, they, they put a warranty on those for normally about 10 years. Um, right. So that gives you an indication of the, of the expected lifespan on those. I see, I see. So they but, are pretty much service-free except to get them cleaned. How often would you need to clean that? You said the rain does a lot, but I guess in a place like a, a city, I mean, if you're in a city, you're dealing with, you know, engine fumes and pollution of other kinds. Yeah, probably know? worth probably worth doing those on an annual basis. So, you know, it, it, there's a lot of variables, obviously, but um, if you're in an area where there's a lot of uh, build-up of gunk, um, then sure, clean them manually or get a team in to clean them for you. Um, and oh, the other thing I wanted to mention is the installations, that some of the installations done are not really suitable in terms of growth around them. So you could end up with trees that are growing every year and they can start infringing on uh, the uh, shadowing on the um, on the solar panels. So it's worth looking at uh, what's happening around you as well in terms of yeah. growth and that sort of thing. One, one last quick one. I, I'm looking out at, at, at that dirty, filthy weather out there. I mean, are solar panels, modern solar panels, are they of any use to me looking out at that? Yeah, they still produce. Um, they, they produce basically year-round. The, the problem with winter... The biggest issue with winter, and this is a problem with solar panels, is the sun is not up that often for us. If you think about the, the time the sun is up in winter versus summer, there's a substantial difference. Yes. So your production time is, is reduced substantially in winter. But it works off regular daylight, whether it's that old grey daylight or, or nice sunny light. We're still producing in this weather. I've actually measured a panel under a shade, in, and it's still, still producing energy. Um, yeah. So it doesn't need the direct sunshine. The uh, direct sunshine. Okay. Uh, right. There's another little thing that I that I picked up over the time I've been working in the industry is that solar panels in Ireland are actually very efficient. You you think that places like Spain and uh, the really warm climates are the ideal environment for them? That's not necessarily true because they can overheat, and the heat can actually reduce the productivity of those panels. I see. So, you know, we, we look at Ireland thinking it's not ideal, but it, it's not a bad environment for it. But yeah. Like I said, the downside is, and the reality of solar panels is winter, the sun is not up as much as, as the summer times. Right. So production is down substantially in winters. Has the cost of installing them in a regular, I mean, in, in a, not, I was, most new houses now seem to come with them um, or, or a, quick, a quick addition at building time? But to put them into a standard house that's been there for a few years, has the cost of that come down? It hasn't. We've, we've seen a bit of a shortfall of products. Um, and due to demand, it's actually pushed the price up a little bit. Um, but you should still be able to get it more or less the same price you are paying uh, three, four years ago. Right. And is there a standard number? For a regular, like a standard three-bedroom semi-D, how how many panels does it need, or does it depend on the panel? Uh, it depends on a lot more than just um, you know the the type of house it is. 
you've got to consider the consumption that the household is uh, going through. Mm. So if you've got teenagers that love their showers and use a huge amount of energy, um, you obviously want a few more panels. But you know, the, the SEII recommends about a three-kilowatt system. I, I personally would suggest bigger than that, and part of the reasoning behind that is the winter months. Um, the, the inverter is there also to control the maximum that can be put onto the, onto the grid. So um, we, we kind of build to the size of, of the inverter or slightly more, and okay. the inverter will control what goes onto the system. So it, it, There's a lot of safety aspects yeah. uh, in, in terms of ESB. So. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty much it's pretty much case-by-case basis, I guess, is what you're saying. Thank you very much, Justin, who does a bit of solar panel work with a company called Vista Construction. That's the good news, that they have a working life of maybe 20 years, and all you generally need to do with them is clean them. If you live in a gunky, mucky area like a middle of a city centre where there's loads of fumes and stuff, but you need, and you need to call somebody to clean them. Don't go up there yourself with windoline or whatever. Uh, but you need to get them done about once a year. That's the plus side of them. And also the fact that, that even that out there is enough to generate some energy. That again is the same. It's great. Uh, but the other one that Mim has, that's a problem. That no matter how much energy she creates, she's not getting the credit for it. And she's upset about that and you can see why she would be 0818 96 96 96 problem there is with her solar controller we get monthly reports on what energy goes to the grid says Connor okay thank you Corks 96 FM's Sun, Samba and Styles is coming. And you could be going to see Harry Styles live in Rio. Live in Rio. We want to send you and a friend on the experience of a lifetime. Five nights in Brazil with flights, hotel, spending money and tickets to Harry Styles Love on Tour December 8th. Listen for the hits of Harry from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. weekdays for your chance to win. For your chance to win. We've been doing all this late night talking. Sun, Samba, and Styles. Starts Monday. Very excited to see you at the show. On Cork's 96 FM. Now, whatever about the weather outside. The weather in Florida over the last couple of days has been making world, world headline news. Storm Ian didn't just come ashore as tore ashore and made absolute bits of the east coast of Florida, Tampa, and there was a beach area made absolute mess of it. It's, the, the scenes are actually very distressing. The, the videos are frightening. And then on the west coast, it was making its way over there. It's been downgraded now, I think, to a a tropical storm but it was a nasty thing and imagine being caught up in it when you're going out on holidays you're going off to Disney and you're on the holiday of a lifetime and you find yourself bracing yourself for Hurricane Ian Victoria Piper what do you do then? Good morning Good morning, PJ. How are you? Joining (laughs) us live, I should say, at stupid o'clock in the morning. And thank you for doing (laughs) so. (laughs) No problem at all. No problem. Um, Yeah, look, I suppose 
it, it wasn't part of the plan, but look, we've been very lucky. Like we're here in Orlando, we've been very, very lucky where we are. You know, I mean, there's other parts of Florida, especially down south, you know, that have been absolutely destroyed. Like by by the time it got to Orlando, it had weakened considerably, and you know they were expecting that. Now there's still damage. I think the the main issue here in Orlando has been, you know, the sheer amount of rain that fell. You know, as you know, resulted in, in a lot of flooding in the area. Yeah. And um, that's been the main issue here in Orlando, you know. When did you first realise that this was a bad one coming? Um, well, I suppose we first kind of got word of it, believe it or not, Saturday night when we landed. Um, what had happened was we were we were coming from the, the airport to, to our hotel and, you know, the roads seemed to be very, very busy. And it was the, you know, the man who was, who was bringing us to our hotel had kind of mentioned that there was a, a hurricane due to hit and... You know, people were coming up from the south. They were coming to Orlando, you know, for for safety. You know, you know, the, and the roads, like we could see it, the roads were very, very busy. But like at at that point on Saturday, it it wasn't on track to kind of hit Orlando at all. So you know, no major worry, no major panic. Um, and it wasn't until I think it was about Tuesday. Um, you know, it was it was on the news and it was on you know, social media that the path had kind of changed ever so slightly. It had moved a little bit more towards the east. Therefore, it was now on track to, you know, to hit Orlando. So it wasn't until Tuesday we kind of got the update that actually yeah. Orlando is, is going to be hit, you know. It, it happened in a strange way. You're, I think you're sitting, we're having lunch or something, and all the phones started beeping. Yeah, well, I mean, that that is one of the, the ways that like, you get alerted on things like that. Like we were sitting, yeah, exactly as you said there, we were sitting in a restaurant and these alerts start coming up on your phone um, and like your phone kind of makes like a siren kind of a noise is probably the best way to describe it. You know, like this isn't like your typical text message. This isn't your typical notification. It's making like a siren noise and everyone's phone went off at the same time. And you look at your phone and basically it says, you know, there is a hurricane warning in the area, you know, do everything you can to protect life and property. Make sure you have enough food, water, medication, cash and fuel to last you for three days. Um, and, you know, just follow the instructions from local authorities. So, so you're sitting there with your club kind of sandwich and your chips and you're going, oh, my God, yeah. what do we do now? Yeah, exactly. 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 And, you know, then it kind of started to get announced that, like, the theme parks were, were closing for two days. And, you know, those theme parks, they, they don't close unless absolutely necessary. You know, like, they're open Christmas Day and everything. Yeah. So when the news started to spread that, you know, they, they were announcing now that they were closing for two days, you kind of say, OK, this this is going to be bigger than what we think. You know, it, I, I've seen them open in horrendous weather. So the fact that they were closing you know, that kind of hit us then. We were kind of going, okay, this, this is bigger than what we what we think it's going to be. So what did you do? Did you go to the hotel and lock the door and look out the window? Or what do you do? <laughs> yeah, so actually the, the day it was hitting, so that was Wednesday it was hitting, we were actually due to move hotels because we were staying for four days in, in Universal Studios and then on Wednesday we were transferring over to a hotel kind of closer to Disney and, sure. you know, you've all these questions going through your mind. What do we do? Do we move? Will we be able to move? Can we go? Will we be able to make it to our hotel? Now, keep in mind, it's only about 10 minutes, you know, away from, from the hotel we were staying at. But, you know, we, we got up early on Wednesday, had a look out the window, 
it was raining, there was a bit of wind, um, and we just made the decision to just move to the next hotel. Yeah, it's just like a summer's morning in Crosshaven, like that's yeah, <laughs> basically, yes, you, you pick your moment to move and, yeah. and you just have to do it. But you know, the thing was, it like the information we were getting was kind of changing all the time because these things, you know, they, they change. Like, I mean, in Ireland, I suppose you get a yellow wind warning and they'll say, oh, it's between 12 and 3. And to be fair, nine times out of 10, that is fairly accurate. That's what's going to happen. But I suppose like the first bit of information we got was um, the first thing that was said was it was going to hit Wednesday between four and seven. And then it was it's going to hit Thursday at 2 p.m. in the afternoon. And then it was going to hit overnight kind of, you know, Wednesday heading into Thursday morning. Like it was just it was changing all the time. It was gaining speed. It was losing speed. It was gaining strength. It was losing strength. Um, So we just got to our hotel, stayed there. We, we went for dinner that night in the hotel. The hotel has been fabulous in fairness. You know, they, they've been amazing. Like the staff have stayed stayed here as well. And we, we went for just something to eat before, you know, we were all kind of told to, you know, stay inside. And we noticed that the, um, like the, the windows were flexing in the wind. It was, you, know, you hear these things happening and you know they're, they're designed to do that in the wind. But when, when you see it, it's it's a different story. You know, you, when you see the windows kind of ending in the wind, it's, Crikey. you know, it, it would definitely, yeah, yeah. And what about the trees outside? They were... Yeah, so that's the main damage that's kind of been around our hotel. Like I say, we've been very, very lucky where we are. The main damage has been, you know, there's debris, there's bits of trees that have fallen. Um, you know, I suppose all we could really do yesterday because, you know, again, like the alert that came in for the, you know, to say there's a hurricane warning when the, the hurricane was um, actually, I suppose, in process overnight, like there was alerts still coming into our phones. So the very same thing, you were getting that siren kind of sound. Um, and what was coming in was, um, you know, it's now flash flooding, like you're in a flash flooding risk. Don't move unless you're attempting to escape like the flooding, basically. Um, so, yeah, like I've actually screenshotted these messages because like you wouldn't believe them unless you see them, you know. Um, so, like, again, we kind of looked out the window. We were very lucky. There didn't appear to be any flash flooding. But, you know, the, the advice yesterday was like, literally don't move unless you have to because the roads are flooded so you know we spent the day kind of watching the news mm. and there's like there's an area not far from us called Kissimmee and like we were watching footage of like there's you know a retirement kind of a residential area uh, there and like they were they were taking people out you know you know just getting them out and in any way they can and you know you, you kind of watch this at home and it just seems miles away but when you're watching over here it's like you know that's a 30 minute drive down the road from us yes yes you know you it's any, very any very where you are like for example i mean did you lose power in the hotel at any stage we again, you know, we were very lucky. We we didn't lose power. Now I know a lot of hotels over here would have a generator, so I don't know was it a case that we did and the backup generator kicked in. I don't know, but again, like I suppose prior to it hitting, we were you know charging phones, charging battery packs, and um, because I do know some hotels in the Orlando area, like I've I've kind of seen it online. I've seen it on Facebook. You know, tourists are saying, oh yeah, we we've lost power here, we've lost power in this hotel. It, it has happened. Um, but again, look, like I say, we, we've been very lucky where we are. You know, the, our hotel has been, been fabulous. You know, they've right. been incredible, really. Now, um, and we, we've been very lucky. The only comparison I guess you can make, Victoria, is if you take your mind back, I don't doubt you remember it, Ophelia. 
here that, that went across us in Cork in 2017. I do. Can yeah, because believe it or not, we had actually just come home from our holidays and we were lucky to make it home. We, cool. <laughs> and we were lucky to make it in. We came in the day before and yeah, no, I, I remember it. So compare, day, yeah. compare and, I, and I know you were you were a distance away from the really bad stuff and that's good, but, but yeah. compare what yeah. you saw then to what you've just seen in the last few days. Oh, like you wouldn't see anything, anything like this. It's you know, I mean, the the wind outside, the rain outside. Like, like I said, the biggest issue here has been the, been the rain, the sheer amount of rain that fell. So it was estimated that like you know, a foot of rain fell within a few hours, um, and that's what's what's caused you know a lot of the damage here in this area. Um, but I mean, even like what you're seeing on TV, like I mean, we're still watching it. People's houses being washed away. Mm. I mean, you know, there's actually people here in in Orlando that have you know evacuated to here and I just like my heart goes out to them because they're sitting here in Orlando and they've nothing exactly they've nothing to go back to you know their their house has gone away on a flood there was a a thing on the weather channel yeah Yeah, there was a thing on the weather channel the other day the guy did a graphic Uh, and the reason he did a graphic was it would be too dangerous for him to actually go and do his live report from the flood area. Yeah, yeah. He did a graphic where... Yeah, and there was a plenty of people doing it the way yesterday. We, we watched them and we were thinking, like, they're mad. They're mad, know. you know. This is what a nine-foot yeah. flood looks like and it's over his head. Like, it's mad. Yeah, absolutely. yeah. It, it absolutely... Like, I mean, there's there's places, you know, especially down along the south that have just been washed away and, you know, that is the only thing. Like, we're, we're sitting here in Florida, we're experiencing it, but, like, we have no worries about our house at home. We know we're going home, our house is still standing, you know. Yeah. We don't have to try and you know, collect up our belongings and then see what we can salvage. Like, yeah. you know, we're very, we're very, very lucky, you so, know, very lucky. So when are you back, Victoria? I am. So we're, in, uh, we're back, I think, next Saturday. Uh, I think that's the 8th, the 8th of October. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So still a bit of time. Nice. Yeah. You, things you, are kind you, of starting to reopen good. today. You'll get, you'll, you'll get her, you'll get her run on a few roller coasters yet. Well, actually, believe it or not, some of the roller coasters have been damaged. Um, really? That is kind of some of the pic- yeah, that is some of the pictures that are kind of coming out. Um, especially in Universal Studios, there has been some pictures coming out. Um, the I mean, I don't know how familiar you are with the the, the Hulk roller coaster. It's quite a big one, and part video. of their track actually. Yeah, part part of their track actually runs underground, so you kind of shoot down in underground, you shoot up the other side. And um, I was only on it myself at the start of the week, and they released photos yesterday that actually that area of the track that that goes underground is completely submerged underwater. Um, yeah, and there's another like there's a Jurassic Park kind of water ride, and it's kind of an indoor ride, and some of the like parts of the the wall has kind of been you know torn off the side of it. Um, so there, there has been damage onto the parks as well, you know. Wow. Um, but look, I mean, again, you know, when you put yeah. it into perspective, oh, you know, I people's, know. people's businesses are gone, you know, people's, oh, yeah. people's houses are gone. It's, it's, it's awful. very sad. It's, it's so sad. To yeah. like, we're watching it kind of as, you feel a bit voyeuristic watching the videos and watching the Weather Channel and sort of, there's a, hang on, there's a, there's a, a shark swimming up the main street like. In, in Fort Myers, yeah, I seen that video actually, and it's like I kind of seen it first, and I was like, ah, someone's having a laugh here, like this, this can't be real. And then you see the video on the news, and you're kind of going, oh, okay. And I know in other parts of Florida as well, like people have seen like fish basically swimming down the street, like and alligators. It's, it's mad. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's the big morning. They're telling people like, you know, don't be doing mad stuff like you know going through the floodwaters just for a, an odd selfie, you know, because you've no idea what's in there, and and they're absolutely right, like. You know, you've no idea what's in there. 
All right, listen, safe, uh, stay safe over there and hope that you do get a, a bit of a blast at the end of your holiday. Victoria Piper from Crosshaven, uh, an eyewitness, as it were, to the worst storm in many, many decades in Florida. They're lucky they've been a distance away from the bad part, but uh, what they saw was enough, I think, for Victoria Piper and her family joining us at Stupid O'Clock from Florida. Thank you. 0818 96 96 96 on energy, Roger says. Over the last couple of years, we've used the greenhouse for drying clothes after the washing. We've replaced all of our lights with LEDs and put a timer on the shower. Saves you a small fortune. Yeah, quick showers. They're the one. Quick showers are, are really important. Do you know what also draws energy, though, after a shower? And there's nothing you can do about it. It's these extractor fans. And now, when you put in a new shower, is a regulation that the fan has to run for a certain period of time. The fan after the shower, that also sucks up your energy. But look, it is what it is. It's all you can do. 0818-96-96-96. Now, Shan, good morning. Hello, how are you? Good, it's been a while. You have set up the club for people who are in business because being in business can be a bit lonely at times. Tell me more. Absolutely. So in, I suppose, March 2020, um, when my bricks and mortar business closed, I was at a loose end. I didn't know what to do with myself. So I started to go live every day on Instagram, interviewing local businesses in Cork City, just to see if there was a way that we could help each other. And a community started to form. And it was women in business primarily. So we launched the club uh, two years ago now, online. And it's been amazing. So we're a support and learning network. So it's all about teaching women what they need to know to stay in business, from financials to how to make a reel on Instagram. Is it tougher for women, Shan, do you think? I think it's different, is the word I'd use. It's definitely different for women. In fact, yesterday I was at an event that we ran, and I was asking the ladies, you know, what do you think is different? And it was just things like, you know, there's certain things that you'd ask women in business that you wouldn't ask a man. You know, we we quite often, people would say to us, oh, that's nice, is it a hobby business? You know, you do it, and it's, no business is a hobby. Yeah. You know? And a man wouldn't get asked that question. Never, you know, and and, and then we get asked, how do you balance your work and life? Well, a man wouldn't be asked that. And that's because the women in business, and this is what wins for us, is we're not only the decision makers in our own business, but we're mostly the decision makers in the home as well. Yeah. Where can people join? They just pop online? Absolutely. So the website is the Club Women's Network. We're on Instagram. Uh, we have a couple of events coming up. We have the first Female Founders uh, Awards in November at the Maryborough. We've had some amazing sponsors. The women that win those prizes will get 500 to £1,500 cash that they can spend either on their business or if they need a break, they can spend it on a break. And people like Kiwi's Motors and Republic of Work and 3B1 Marketing, Alan Wiley, Keto Gym, they've given us this cash. Um, so people are coming out and supporting us. And small businesses such as like Salvi's Pharmacy and Fear and Fin to big, huge businesses like Nespresso and the TSB Bank. So we've Fabulous. been really blessed. Excellent, excellent. And uh, more details, you can send them to us and we'll mention it to people. Uh, Shan, thank you. Shan Horn from The Club.
Women's Network. 0818 96 96 96. I am going to tell you why you're all control freaks, but I need Fiona on the headset to do it. Next. Fiona, you're on that headset there. We've been saying to people all morning that our listeners are control freaks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Based on the... Now, this comes from TikTok, so it must be right. <laughs> yeah, this is a girl on TikTok called Bernice Ango, and she's been talking about when you have a shower... The different, if you, whatever parts of your body that you wash first will say a lot about your personality. And obviously, a lot of people have been texting in this morning and you're saying to them that they're control freaks. Because if you wash your hair first thing in the shower, it says that you're a control freak. I do. <laughs> yeah. And, and so many people lather up the hair. Now, what little of it I have, right? Yeah. They, they lather up the hair and then leave the lather in the hair, do the rest. And including me, I actually shave in the shower. I yeah. know, mad. Well, according to Bernice, it's um, if you're you're preoccupied with controlling every aspect of your life, you're somebody who is obsessed with structure, discipline, and order, and have a very practical approach to life. Which is absolute nonsense when it comes to me. Anyway, <laughs> oh, I, don't know about that, Peter. <laughs> I know you're working with me long enough. Now, someone who washes their arms or legs first, which is like me, I always wash my arms first, and this means that you're a very humble and down to earth person, which is obviously very true, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> you might very well think that I couldn't possibly comment. Your face. Now, some person, the face says it. you care a lot about what people think. Yeah, um, apparently that uh, if you wash your face first, it means that you care what people say about you and their perception of you. So we didn't get anybody who said that their face was the first part of their body that they're washing. But maybe uh, Crossy. <laughs> we'll bring Crossy in in just a second now because the two met. I have to talk to you because today... Is your last day. It is, PJ. Oh, stop. <laughs> it's your last day, and you and I have worked together in this show for a couple of years, but we've worked be- together for a very, very long time. Even long before you came to, to, to 96, we, we knew each other. Stop. Since you came down as a wee girl from and <laughs> wondering what all this place is about. So I am 18 going... 18 years ago. 18 years. Well, yeah. we're working together 18 years. I am going to miss the hell out of you. Oh, stop. <laughs> I'm going to start Ah, uh, yeah. Peter, I know, yeah. And listen, thanks a million to everybody who's listened and to everybody who's contributed as well. Go on, she, I knew she'd do it. She'd kill me afterwards. Oh, well. Listen, Crossy, Hocus Pocus 2, my man. When can we watch it? Morning. Um, good morning. Yeah, I'm just going to be sad to see her go as well. She's always very helpful and chatty on the phone when we have chats. Always great. So, uh, By the way, what do you, what do you wash look. first in the shower, Crossy? My hair, but I leave it in, so I leave all the product in, and then I wash everything else. You're a control. And then I come back to the hair. You're a control. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. Hocus oh, pocus. So pocus. We got about three minutes. It go is, for it. It's out today, and it is just as good as the first movie. I never ever thought I'd be able to tell you that, but please go watch it this weekend. It has a '90s feel to it. If you were a massive fan of the movie back, what 29 years ago this week. It is just the exact same. I don't know how they've done it. I don't know how they've cracked it. I don't know how they haven't ruined it. But for some reason, it's just as good. And seeing the Sanderson sisters back together again, yeah. it, it's, it's such a lovely little smile for you to watch this weekend. When something is as good as the original was, you, you read about a sequel, you go, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. And I, I've been reading a lot of uh, reviewers just to make sure that I was on kind of on the same buzz as them. And everybody, anyone who's a fan of Hocus Pocus who have seen it already, have all given a five stars thumbs up. When you're watching it, you will know the reason why it's not in the cinema. 
it's not for the cinema. It's for you and your family to sit in your sitting room and stick it on the on the TV in the corner of the room. It's not really built for the cinema. And that's the one thing about it. Okay. Um, the story follows, right? So it, it, what this one is about is three young girls find the black candle and the three sisters come back. And it, there's certain bits, you know, instead of brooms, one of them has a Dyson which you can kind of see the paid sponsorship in it. And uh, another one has one, you know, in those little hoovers that actually goes itself so you can leave oh, and yeah. it goes off itself. And one of them has that as well. And there's also another little part as well that's beautiful. Back 29 years ago, there was never like shops like Boots and all that selling, you know, skincare range and how to look 20 years younger and all that. They go into one of these shops and they're going, what is this? What are products? Oh, oh and it's So funny, stuff man. like that is kind of funny. But they look, the cats look fantastic. They're Great. all back and they haven't aged. Come here. So um, when can we, yeah. where can we see it? Disney Plus. It started from 8 a.m. this morning right. and it's free if you subscribe to Disney Plus. There's none of these uh, ad charges around like all that. Right. So yeah, enjoy it this weekend. Go Beautiful. Run. Have a good weekend. Talk to you soon, mate. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications including botulinum toxins as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.